Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are recording. It's the Blue White Breakdown on Tuesday, Iowa week. I'm Bob Flounders. Greg Pickle is joining me remotely, as always. I'm sure Lola's somewhere in Greg's house. I don't hear any licking or sniffing or peanut butter eating, but hopefully Lola's happy. Greg, let's just get to it. Penn State's 0-4. James Franklin just met with the media. Is there a quarterback controversy in State College? Because James isn't ready to announce a starter. Is that just window dressing? Doesn't it have to be Will Elvis? Yeah, I think so, Bob. I think that, you know, James Franklin, for as long as we've known him, has never thought it was a good idea to give the other team any information that could help it going into a game week. So it doesn't really surprise me at all that he's going to hold off on making this decision, let it play out in practice if it needs to play out in practice. Even if that was the case, he's not going to tell us on Tuesday. He will not tell us on Wednesday when he talks after practice, and he will not you know, reveal that information on Thursday during the coaches show. So the wait is on somewhat as expected. I think, you know, again, he's never been one to rush to give information that he doesn't have to, that could help an opponent game plan. So we'll find out soon enough. I just think it has to be Will Levis at this point. I think we've seen Sean Clifford again, a guy who's done a lot for this program, tried to do anything that he's capable of to win games. But he's just making too many plays that's in, it causing them to lose games right now. And we saw the defense kind of get a spark when Will Levis came in, and the offense certainly did too. So I think it's time to see what they have with him, see if he's a guy that can lead them into the future. And if not, then maybe we see uh, Taquan Roberson get a shot at some point later this year. So, yeah, not totally surprised that James Franklin was not ready to reveal that answer. But I would have to think that they're further along in that decision-making process than what we were led to believe today. And also, you know, Will Levis said after last week that he did not receive many first-team snaps in the lead-up to Nebraska. That is almost certain to change this week heading into Iowa. Yep. Good points, all of them, Greg. I would just say this about Will Levis. Uh, and James talked about what he does well. He's got superior arm strength. He's not beat up. He's got fresh legs. He came in. That was a tough spot he came into in the Nebraska game. You could argue the pressure was off, but they were 0-3. They're down 24-3. to Very first drive, they get a field goal out of it. And, you know, the rest of the way, I felt that he was able to really threaten the Nebraska defense because they had to respect the fact that he had a strong arm. Uh, They could stretch the field. He could throw the ball deep. He can throw it to the sideline with velocity. Uh, He can obviously run the ball. He made some plays with his legs, and he falls forward. James Franklin noted that. For them to go back to Sean Clifford, something would have had to go just horribly wrong on the practice field this week. I'm with you on a scale of one to 10. It's a 9.8 that Levis is going to be the guy against an Iowa team that has not beaten a James Franklin Penn state team since he's been there. They played some very entertaining games. Uh, I'm not sure how entertaining this game will be given what Iowa wants to do and how Penn state's played this year, Greg. But when you think about this game and you kind of think about where maybe 
Penn State's head is at collectively. How do you think Penn State matches up with Iowa? Because I have some thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that we heard James Franklin kind of give more of an answer in terms of changes that could be made when he was asked about the offensive line. I got the sense that they are going to go with Will Fries at guard and Caden Wallace at tackle, which is what we saw for a fair amount of the Nebraska game. And that was probably about as good as the offensive line has looked, Bob, during this season. So I think it will make a lot of sense for Penn State to mostly roll with that combination on Saturday against the Hawkeyes. But, you know, when it comes to them matching up with Iowa, you can see some places where Penn State might have an advantage. But we, again, after the Maryland performance and after the Nebraska performance, what you think this team can do, what you think it's capable of, and then what it shows on the field makes it really difficult, in my mind, to give Penn State the edge at any spot, even when it might be obvious that they deserve it, just simply because we haven't seen them put it together for four quarters. And the biggest problem has been the slow starts. And James was asked repeatedly about those after the Nebraska game. He was asked multiple times during his Tuesday news conference, Bob. And I just don't know. I don't know what they do to fix those at this point. Obviously not turning the ball over so much would be a tremendous place to start. But, you know, he also has talked multiple times now about the defense struggling with opponents and their opening game script. And teams clearly have a plan out of the gate to attack this Penn State defense, and they've been successful with it. So they have to be able to figure that part of it out, too. So I know you probably have some more in-depth thoughts, but the kind mm-hmm. of the 50,000-foot view of it is that it's it's kind of a seeing-to-believe-it time at Penn State, I think. And, you know, you can look at some of the things they've done after halftime, and I think find areas that could become strengths for this team. But when they do, when will they do it for four quarters? That's really, I think, what everyone's thinking about at this point. Yeah, a couple of things I wanted to talk about, Greg. The game opened as a pick'em. So for people who are not familiar with betting, pick'em just means there's no spread. They just think it's a toss-up game. Neither side favored by any points. I think it quickly moved to two, two and a half Iowa. I'm not sure where it is uh, at the moment, but I, I have to think Iowa is a slight favorite. Greg, I'm sure you've taken note of this because I know I have. Uh, Penn State is 0-4 versus the spread this year, in addition to being 0-4 in the one-loss column. So there might be an opportunity there. And if somebody was smart enough maybe to, at the start of the year, just kind of play against them, they'd be be pretty wealthy. Uh, Something to watch, I think, this week as the game unfolds. As far as the slow starts that Penn State's gotten off to, I would make the argument, Greg, that this Iowa team, you know exactly what Iowa's going to do. You're, I don't think you're going to see a lot of trickeration. They're a sound team. They have a very, very good offensive line. They have a center and a, a tackle. Tyler Linderbaum, mom, I think I said that right, is the center. Alaric Jackson is the tackle. There was a tackle on last year's team, Tristan Wirfs, that went in the first round, I think, to the Bucks this year. They, they're, they're real physical along the offensive line. And you just look, they, they started the year with two tight losses, two close losses to Northwestern and Purdue. They could have easily won those games. And in the last two weeks against Michigan State and Minnesota, they're not messing around. They're just going to try and shove it right down your throat. Maybe not a lot of big plays. They're going to try and wear you down. My point, Greg, is I think Penn State's defense, which has given up touchdowns on the opening possessions the last three games and has looked sloppy and has not played well, I think this is an advantage for the Penn State defense because they know, I think, exactly what to expect 
James talked about scripting plays and trying to take advantage of some things. I don't know how clever Iowa is going to be on offense. And one of the reasons I say that is, you know, in the first four games, whether or not they ran the ball or not, the, the mobility of the quarterbacks that Penn State has seen, whether it's been Penix or Justin Fields or Tua's younger brother, Talia, Tago Vialea, I hope I got that right. And even last week with Luke McCaffrey, they're all mobile, right? Justin Fields didn't make a lot of plays running the ball, but he extended plays. He got out on the pocket on bootlegs and gave his receivers time. I don't think that the Iowa offense is like that. I think the quarterback, you know exactly where he's going to be. I don't think you have to worry about him being mobile. I think this is going to help Penn State's defense tremendously, not only in the first half, but all game, because I think it's going to be a much simpler game plan by the opposing offense. I think this is going to help Penn State. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, some of the issues I think Penn State's been presented with is that they are starting some more inexperienced guys up the middle of that defense, especially in the linebacker group. And I think some teams have thrown some things at them that those guys just haven't seen before, and it's not their fault. They're in a a role as a starter for the first time, most of them, and they – some of the stuff they're seeing, it just wasn't things they had to worry about at the high school level. So they're kind of learning how to deal with that on the fly. I think that can be a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, agree or disagree, but Penn State's ends, I think, have been better than the interior. The defensive tackles, they've made some plays, but maybe not as many as we thought P.J. Mustafer and Antonio Shelton would as the starters there. I think the linebackers at times have just struggled to adjust to pre-snap changes. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of, you know, you would see Micah or you would see Jason Cabinda, Jan Johnson. They were really active when it came to realigning guys before the snap yeah. and moving with motion and things along those uh, along those lines. And I don't know if Penn State's done a great job of that this year with the group they currently have out there. So there should be more familiarity with what they see this week. But if they keep doing some of those things, then they're going to find themselves giving up gaps and lanes and assignments and things like that. So. It could be a double-edged sword, but it can't. It shouldn't hurt, I guess. To your point, this uh, facing this Iowa offense now shouldn't hurt what Penn State's doing. But again, Iowa's one of those teams who James Franklin's talked a lot over the last few years. I don't think it's come up at all this year, Bob. But he's talked about other teams being able to enforce their will and enforce their game plan, and Penn State maybe not doing as well with that. Well, guess what? If you let Iowa enforce its game plan this weekend and you don't have the right way to stop it, you're going to be in for a world of hurt. So I think there are definitely good things about what Penn State's defense could do against this Iowa front, but at the same time, if they don't clean up some of the missed tackling and things like that, it could be a long night again at Beaver Stadium. All right, we're about halfway through the blue-white breakdown with me, Bob Flounders. Uh, I'm wearing a hat today because it's not a great hair day for me. I apologize to the audience. I just figured it was... I didn't want you guys to have to avert your eyes. Greg Pickle is joining me halfway through, Greg. Tell them what they can do to rate, subscribe, all that good stuff, where they can find this thing, where they can find it early. It's the blue-white breakdown. We have them every day during football season, Football season, whether it's Greg and I, whether it's Dave Jones and I, or whether it is uh, Dustin Hawkinsmith uh, with a shorter version in the mornings. I feel like we got you covered on an everyday basis. That's right. The Blue White Breakdown, Bob, it's available wherever you get your audio. So Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you find podcasts and audio, you can find the Blue White Breakdown. And if you want to watch the video version, it's youtube.com slash State, And that's where you can like, rate, subscribe, leave us some feedback. Give us your questions, Bob. You and I have both uh, (laughs) now calls for questions in the last couple of weeks. And 
There are a lot of them, that's for sure. So keep those coming as well. Yeah, and one of the things that's funny, and we're, we have a text subscriber package that uh, the fans can kind of take part in, uh, join as part of our insider coverage. And, you know, a lot of the texts we get, they're, all you really see is the person's phone number. There's not a lot of identity revealed. But we've come to learn over the last couple of weeks, it's surprising who subscribes to our texts uh, sometimes. And sometimes they tell us who they actually are. I know Greg and I have had a lot of fun with that because there there's some names on that subscriber list that might surprise our audience. But anyway, they're very frisky, Greg, because, you know, when things aren't going well, it, it's just one of those things where they just want answers. and They want to know what's going on. And, but the interaction from our subscriber base has really been good. I know you've gotten a lot of good questions. I get some for our Friday mailbag. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I hope they keep doing it. Greg, let's move this along, though. One, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and the Penn State offense finally got going, you know, the final 35 minutes of this game. But then again, also at the end of the game, turnover on downs twice inside the red zone when they could have either tied the game or tied the game and then gone ahead. Um, red zone offense, Greg, has not been good for Penn State this year. When you look at the number, number of touchdowns and number of red zone possessions, that's the other team's 20 and in. It's it's pretty poor with with regard to touchdowns. They're like eight for nineteen with touchdowns or nine for eighteen. That's not a good number. They were really good in the red zone when Penn State's teams were a lot better. How much of that is execution? I know there's been some short missed field goals earlier in the season. How much of that is execution, Greg? How much of it is the other team playing good defense? And how much of that is maybe the play calls from the new coordinator, Kirk Shiraka? Yeah, I want to throw this at you, and it's a word we've heard a couple of times over the last five days, but it almost feels like there's a bit of a trust problem with Penn State's play calling once it gets into the red zone. And what I mean is it seems to get very basic and rely on kind of the same two or three concepts, and it seems very ordinary, whereas, and I know Kirk Schrock is not a guy who has some big fancy offense to begin with. It's pretty straightforward what they want to do, but it just doesn't see it seems like it lacks any kind of creativity in the red zone. And I don't know if that's because they get nervous about turnovers. I mean, everyone hates the fades to the corner. <laughs> I am not a fan of them either. But right. at the same time, what are they, Bob? They're mostly passes that either a Penn State guy is going to catch or no one is going to catch. And they kind of take the risk of turnover out of play. Unfortunately, it takes the risk of or the chance to score out of play too, a lot of the times because those are not easy plays to begin with. Penn State doesn't really have yeah. the big receivers that you tend to see run those routes. But, you know, the other thing is it takes away a chance to throw an interception potentially. So I think that's one part of it. And then the run game, kind of the same thing. I mean, when you line up and try and run it up the middle three times and you don't get anywhere, everyone throws their hands up and asks, what are we doing here? But I think part of that, too, is, again, trying to take the risk out of some of the more uh, creative plays or advanced plays or whatever you might uh, want to use to define it. And yeah. instead trying to make sure that you preserve the chance to at least kick a field goal. That's kind of how I've seen it so far. I think that again, it just looks so basic once they get down there, they do some interesting things that get guys open from their own 25 or wherever they start into the other team's 20 and in, and then they get down there and it just becomes very vanilla. So I think that could be one way to change things moving forward. 
And if Will Levis does end up getting the call like we expect him to, I do think maybe Kirk Shiraka will say, okay, until he gives me a reason to think otherwise, and by that I mean throwing interceptions or fumbling, maybe they'll try some new things down there to increase the likelihood of getting in the end zone as opposed to kicking a field goal. So interesting week coming up here, no question, Bob. But yeah, if they don't, they got to stop. Tur- I mean, it's, it's three simple things at this point. Stop turning it over, create more turnovers, and find ways to score six or seven points in the red zone more than you do three. So they have a lot of problems and a lot of reasons that they are struggling in those three areas. But if they find a way to improve those, or if they even just find a way to cut the turnovers out, you know, this is a team that is like number 16 still in the ESPN S&P plus metric. And you look at that and say, well, that doesn't make much sense. But uh, I think Bill Connolly from ESPN wrote today that their win expectancy in the Indiana game and in the Nebraska game was enormous. And if you take away some of those turnovers and free points that they gave up, you know, those games are closer than even they appear on the scoreboard. So we'll see. Again, I need to see to believe it at this point. I'm probably, I think, going to pick Iowa. And I, I agree with you that, and I know that that's a later in the week conversation, but I just need to see it for a full four quarters at this point, And we haven't yet. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to provide a public service to the Penn state coaching staff. You talked about the red zone issues. You talked about the end zone fades. Two things I want to say, don't run an end zone fade to a receiver that's shorter than six feet. As a general rule, it's tough to make a contested catch when you're that small. It just, it just is. And I would say this, maybe instead of throwing the ball as an end zone fade to Parker Washington or Jahan Dotson, maybe isolate the six foot five All-American tight end on one side of the field and throw it to him because he's six foot five and he can box the uh, other team out. Maybe that's where the end zone fade needs to go. I think I would do that if I was Penn State. What do you think? It couldn't hurt if they're hell-bent on running it, then yeah, you might as well run it with your star All-American tight end who's big enough to handle that. And, you know, of course, the other thing, too, is is you have to question how often those throws are going to be completed no matter who you're throwing it to. That's the other problem. It's a low-percentage play, typically. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Kirk dials up a few new wrinkles this week. Obviously, that is an area that, you know, when you struggle down there and you do all the other things they do, you're going to have a very hard time winning, which is why, when you're 0-4 and you're, you know, does your record say who you are or not? It does right now because they are performing in a ways that they're performing across the board in a lot of different areas the way an 0-4 team would. So, you know, again, if you take the turnovers out, maybe things are a little bit different. Maybe they, uh, you know, they get a call at Indiana and they win that game and things look different. Who knows? But ultimately, they've earned this record more than uh, more than anything else. There's just no other way to look at it. Greg, have we seen the blueprint? for a Penn State victory playout in the second half of the Nebraska game. Penn State's got Iowa. They got to go to Michigan, which doesn't seem as challenging this year because the Wolverines are in a world of hurt. They were just destroyed, destroyed by Wisconsin. A Wisconsin team that hadn't played in a while took them apart. They got to go there. They get Michigan State at home. They got to go to Rutgers. The Rutgers uh, Illinois loss or the, the Rutgers loss to Illinois might have been more surprising than anything to me last week. And I did not see that coming. But did we see a recipe for Penn State maybe to not only help the offense, but help their defense keep them off the field? Penn State ran the ball something like 45 or 47 times against Nebraska. They used Will Levis. They also, and they used three running backs. And all three running backs 
uh, I thought were very successful. I think that the switch at uh, up front, getting Caden Wallace at tackle and moving Will Levis to guard, I think that had something to do with it. They're using some two tight end sets with Brenton Strange and Fryermuth, um, taking a wide receiver uh, off the field and putting a bigger body uh, on the field to help in the run game. Greg, shouldn't that be maybe the recipe for the second half of the season? You're going to, you know, everyone likes to throw the ball and spread the field, but the way that Penn State's constructed isn't their best hope. You know, shorten the game a little bit, control the clock, be efficient when you get in the red zone, but lean on the run. you got two talented true freshman runners. Devin Ford can do some things. The quarterback, Will Levis, is almost you know, 225 pounds. He falls forward. Is, is that – if you're Kirk Shiraka and James Franklin, is that something you want to go back to? Yeah, I think they have to. The question just is, will they be able to block the run and will the running backs be able to break tackles and move the pile yeah. the way they did at Nebraska against the rest of the teams on this schedule? I mean, we hadn't really seen that before. You know, they talked in the lead-up to Nebraska about, yeah, the offensive line can do better, but if the running backs are missing holes or taking their time getting through them or – not being able to either break tackles or move guys who are on hanging on to them, then it may not matter how well the offensive line plays. So if we get that second half effort uh, in moving forward from that group, then I think Penn State fans, yeah, can certainly find a blueprint to victory. But conversely, we've only seen that any kind of effort like that in the second half for the most part this year. So if they keep putting themselves in 14, 17, 21 point holes to start the game and every, you know, after every 30 minutes to start, they're down, you know, multiple scores, then you're forced to start throwing the ball more and more and more and not not being able to kind of slow things down and maybe play to your strength. So, yeah, I think we certainly saw it. I think that was their best line combination that was in there. I think you saw the running backs really get some confidence as that game went on, but you can't become one dimensional and relying on it. And you can't become one dimensional the other way and have to rely on the past because you've dug yourself such a huge hole early on. So we'll see, Bob, it'll be interesting. One other thing to note quick on the defensive side, James Franklin, the last question to him was about Tariq Castro fields who traveled to uh, yeah. Nebraska and warm. He was, I, I don't, I'm still not sure he was on the field for warmups, but he was on the sideline in full uniform he said it was a medical issue. It wasn't COVID related. He was a game time decision when they travel him, but he didn't get to the point of being cleared to play. So we'll see if he's back next week. It certainly gave some time to Keaton Ellis, who I thought played well, Bob. And we'll see what Terry Smith and Brent Pry decided to do on that front this weekend. Yeah, real quick, because we have about 60 seconds left, judging by my calculations on the blue-white uh, breakdown. When we make our picks for Penn Live, we always, we always have a category within our picks, player on the spot, players on the spot. It's usually Penn State, guys. Um, who are your players or player on the spot for Iowa and why? It has to be Will Levis, assuming he starts. I just don't see any way they can win the game if he doesn't play well. And then on the other side of the ball, it's the linebackers. Again, I think that there's a lot of talent there, but at times they take themselves out of play or they plays or they don't end up where they're supposed to be on a play, and that's hurt this defense. So it's those two groups. It's the quarterback, and assuming it's Levis, and then it's the linebackers for me, Bob. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the defensive tackles. This center for Iowa is really, really good. Tyler Linderbaum, I think is his name. Former defensive tackle. He's already getting buzzed at the next level. He's a young player. He's very good. And I, I just think that PJ Mustafer and Antonio Shelton, although they've done some nice things, they're gonna they're really gonna be challenged because like we talked about at the start of this uh podcast, I don't think Iowa is going to do a lot of fancy things. I think that they know what their identity is. They found it the last two games. 
they're going to try and wear Penn State out and wear them down. It's going to start with some very basic plays in the running back. Uh, in the running game, they have two running backs they really like. I don't think they're going to try and get – they're not going to put the, the game in the hands of their quarterback. When they have to do that, usually it's not good if you've ever seen the last four or five Penn State-Iowa games. If the defensive tackles have a good game, I think Penn State's got a really good chance to win. If they're getting pushed backward, it could be yet another long Saturday for the Nittany Lions. But we'll see how it plays out. We're, we're not going to give picks, even though you almost did give a pick. Uh, my pick will be coming out a little bit later. But, Greg, as always, a pleasure. And we'll talk again soon.